Hello, welcome to Going Deeper with God. My name is Andrew Page. I'm part of the teaching team at Above Power Church in Southampton. Uh, in the summer, we're doing a series in the book of Esther. Uh, just because you can't see God, it doesn't mean that he's not there. That's the title that we've given the book. And today we come to uh, the passage. It's a long passage, chapter 8, verse 3 to chapter 9, verse 19. It's a long passage and we've given it the title Turning Tables, but it's great. And it's going to give us also a kind of overview of the whole book of Esther. Uh, So I'd like to read to you uh, from chapter 8, verse 3 to the end of chapter 8. But we will look at chapter 9, verses 1 to 19 as well. Let's read the word of God. Chapter 8, verse 3 of the book of Esther. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold scepter to Esther, and she arose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favour and thinks it the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, son of Hamedatha the Agagite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther, and they have impaled him on the pole he set up. Now write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews, as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. At once the royal secretaries were summoned. On the twenty-third day of the third month, the month of Sivan, They wrote out all Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps, governors and nobles of the 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. These orders were written in the script of each province and the language of each people and also to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring and sent them by mounted couriers who rode fast horses, especially bred for the king. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children, and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold and a purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honour. In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebration. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. Chapter 8, verse 3 to chapter 9, verse 19 is our passage. 
and the title is Turning Tables. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's do a bit of a recap on the on the on the book of Esther, because it's difficult to just look at one passage. You, in a sense, you've always got to be careful. You look at it in the context of the whole story. The book of Esther has four main characters. Uh, number one, King Xerxes. He's the king, the emperor of the Medo-Persian Empire. It's a vast, successful, powerful empire. King Xerxes. Um, secondly, there is Haman who is uh, King Xerxes' right-hand man. Uh, Haman always does what the king wants him to do, although actually the king often ends up doing what Haman wants him to do. The third main character is Mordecai. Mordecai is a Jew. The Jews are part of this kingdom, the Medo-Persian Empire. And whenever Mordecai is mentioned in this book, it's nearly always He's nearly always described as Mordecai the Jew, just as a reminder that Mordecai is a Jew. And then fourth, the fourth main character is Esther, who is uh, the cousin of Mordecai, and she has become the queen of King Xerxes. So those are the four main characters, King Xerxes, Haman, Mordecai and Esther. But actually, of course, there is another main character, the most important main character, and that is the character of God. Um, the book of Esther is most famous, I think, for never mentioning God. Well, that's why we've given this book, this series, the title, just because you can't see God, it doesn't mean that he's not there. Because there are things that happen in this book where you might say it just so happened or as luck would have it. And then you begin to think this is not random. This is not chance. This is God at work, working out his purpose. So God is at work. And that that message, just because you can't see God, it doesn't mean he's not there. That's a message we need to hear today as well. Because sometimes we look at our own lives or we look at our world and we think, where is God? Well, the word of God is saying to us, the spirit of God is saying to us through the word of God, God is at work and he is working out his purposes. OK, we're going to come now to um, the, the book of Esther. We're going to do it in two sections about decrees, decrees that King Xerxes uh, enacts. And the first decree is a decree against the Jews, a decree against the Jews. And the second part will be a decree for the Jews. A decree against the Jews, it goes all the way from chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 8, verse 2. But don't worry, I'm not going to read all of that. But it's just important we put it in context. Haman was a man who wanted people to bow and scrape to him. But Mordecai didn't do that. So Haman was angry and he wanted to get rid of Mordecai, but not just Mordecai. He discovered that Mordecai was a Jew and he wanted to get rid of all the Jews. Let me read to you from chapter three of Esther and verse six. Having learned who Mordecai's people were, the Jews, Haman scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. 
So that's what he plans to do. And he gets the king to issue a decree. He says the Jews are bad people and we need to get rid of them and we need to give people permission to attack the Jews and to annihilate the Jews on a certain day, the 13th day of the 12th month. Um, chapter 3, verse 13. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. So that's the decree against the Jews, giving people permission to attack and to kill and to annihilate the Jews. Now, what's the problem with that? Well, obviously, it's a problem wanting to destroy a whole people. This is ethnic cleansing gone mad. But there's also another reason why this is just a terrible thing, this decree against the Jews, because, of course, God one once had made a promise to Abraham, who later became Abraham. Do you remember this? It's in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I'm not going to read those verses, but in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, God promised Abraham that he was going to bless him and make him a blessing. And he said, I'm going to make, make you, you a blessing, your descendants a blessing to the whole world, to all the nations. That was God's promise. And as you read through the Old Testament, you begin to get the idea there's going to be one particular descendant of Abraham one day, a Jew, who is going to be the means of that blessing coming to not only the Jews, but to the whole world, to all the nations. And of course, if you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus, you're already thinking, yes, that's Jesus. And you're right. Well, come back with me to the book of Esther. If this decree against the Jews is carried out, if all the Jews are annihilated, then there's never going to be a man called Jesus. There's never going to be forgiveness. There's never going to be hope. So this is an incredibly important thing. This is a terrible thing, this decree against the Jews. I just need to say uh, two other things are happening at around the same time. Um, King Xerxes discovers that Mordecai once saved his life. Mordecai, some years before, had um, uh, discovered a, an assassination plot against King Xerxes and had told the right people. And King Xerxes' life was spared. Mordecai never got rewarded for that. And King Xerxes discovers that and rewards Mordecai and elevates him to be one of his most trusted advisors. At the same time, Queen Esther tells King Xerxes that she's a Jew and that Mordecai is a Jew and that Haman's decree was therefore a plot against her and against Mordecai as well against as well as against all the Jews. And King Xerxes is very angry and he has Haman killed. So that's the decree against the Jews. But there's a problem. Even though King Xerxes is now on side and wants to protect the Jews, in a sense he can't because a decree in the Medo-Persian Empire can never be overturned. You can't just press the delete button. So this decree is still in force that on the 13th day of the 12th month, Anyone can attack the Jews and destroy and kill and annihilate them. So that's why we come to the second part of um, our, 
our talk today. And that's why we're looking at chapter 8, verse 3 to chapter 9, verse 19, where it's a decree for the Jews, a decree for the Jews. Um, now, have a look, please, at chapter 8, verse 8. King Xerxes says, write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews as seems best to you and seal it with the king's signet ring for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. So it's still going to be true that on that particular day, people are allowed to attack the Jews and kill them. But now King Xerxes is issuing a second decree, which is not against the Jews, it's for the Jews. And and this is going to be going to say something different. Have a look down at chapter eight, verse 11. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children and to plunder the property of their enemies. Now, please look at verse 11 very carefully. Chapter 8, verse 11. This is not saying the Jews can kill anyone they want to. This is saying if the Jews are attacked, then the Jews have the right to attack their attackers. It's very, very important that we understand chapter 8, verse 11. This second decree, the decree for the Jews, is giving them the right to defend themselves and to attack those who are trying to kill them. And this decree is issued and it results in great joy. I'm not going to read them again, but look at verses 15, 16 and 17. There is great joy among the Jews. They realise they are not going to be completely wiped out because, because there's now been a decree for the Jews alongside the decree against the Jews. Uh, I will read, though, the end of verse 17. Many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. I think that's a hint of what's going to come. One day all the nations are going to come. People from all the nations are going to trust in the descendant of Abraham. Uh, that's Jesus. Trust in him, his death and his resurrection. I think there's a bit of a foretaste of that at the end of verse 17 of Esther chapter 8. So look and see how this second decree, the decree for the Jews, works out in chapter 9. Uh, this is heavy stuff, but we need to always understand it in the context of chapter 8, verse 11. The Jews are only attacking people who are attacking them. So chapter 9, verse, uh, verse 1. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. But now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. They have the right to defend themselves and to attack their attackers. Then look at verse five. The Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them. And they did what they pleased to those who hated them. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. That sounds awful, but... Please remember chapter 8, verse 11. They are only attacking people who are attacking them. Then look at verse 15. The Jews in Susa came together on the 14th day of the month of Adar, and they put to death in Susa 300 men, but they did not lay hands on their plunder. But don't forget chapter 8, verse 11. 
They're only attacking people who are attacking them. And verse 16 is really heavy. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also assembled to protect themselves and get relief from their enemies. They killed 75,000 of them, but did not lay their hands on the plunder. That's awful, but don't forget chapter 8, verse 11. They are only attacking people who are attacking them. So you can see what's happening here. It's a, it's, a, it's a great story. It's a great story of God protecting his people. And he protects his people because he loves them. He loves Queen Esther. He loves Morde- Mordecai. He loves all his people. But he also protects his people because he's got a plan. And one Jew, one day, many centuries in the future is going to be born, is going to be given the name Jesus. And this Jesus is going to be the saviour. This Jesus is going to die on the cross for the sins of the world. This Jesus is going to rise again as proof that he has paid the price for our sins. And this Jesus is going to become the exalted king of the universe. Oh, will you rejoice with me? There are things in this Esther story that I find quite hard. But all the time you see that God is at work. Do you see that? Just because you don't see God, it doesn't mean that he's not there. Just because you don't see God, it doesn't mean that he's not at work. He's working out his plans. And that should fill our hearts with gratitude. I hope that's you. However you're feeling, whether you're feeling great or whether you're feeling kind of empty, I hope you can lift your heart and rejoice that God is has a plan and he's protecting his plan and he's fulfilling his plan and Jesus did come and he did die and he did rise again and he is exalted and one day there will be people from every nation and tribe and language in front of the throne worshipping it is fantastic and you and I as trusters in Jesus we will be there. I hope you're worshipping. I hope you're thanking God for this. This is great good news. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that shall surely be when the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Oh, (laughs) let's thank God for his plan. Let's thank God for his faithfulness. And let's thank God for his son. His son was born and died and rose again and was exalted because of what God did here in chapters 8 and 9 of Esther, because he protected his people, the Jews. God's plan was also protected and the saviour of the world came and he died for our sins and he rose again. Oh, let's worship him. Let's thank God for what he did then in the book of Esther, but let's thank God for what he's done since. Thank God for Jesus. And let's also remember, as we thank God for Jesus, let's also remember, just because we can't see God, 
that doesn't mean that he isn't there. Whatever we're going through, the highs and lows of life, God is at work. So let's trust him. Let's worship him. And let's follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this extraordinary story in the book of Esther. Thank you for this decree for the Jews, your people. Thank you for the way in which you protected your people. We praise you and we thank you that that made it possible that one day Jesus, your son, would come and be born and live and die and rise again. And thank you that the Lord Jesus is now the exalted king at your right hand. We worship you. Father, we thank you that you are at work and we thank you that so many of us who are watching this today, we are trusters in Jesus, your son. We know that we're forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. We worship you. And Father, we want to pray that you'd help us to remember that just because we can't see you, that doesn't mean that you're not there. Thank you that you are at work. Father, we thank you. Help us to trust you every day. And thank you that we have so much to look forward to, that one day we will see Jesus face to face. Father, we praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>